0: These guys survived the David Kahn era of Timberwolves basketball and live
1: to
2: tell about it. It's Flagrant Howls.
0: Welcome in to a Feedback Friday edition of everybody's favorite Timberwolves lifestyle podcast, Flagrant Howls. If you missed the Jim Peterson episode yesterday, you can find it, Indeed. Flagrant Howls, podcast feeds, Scorneth YouTube channel. Nice. Yeah, Jim Pete is going to be uh, a recurring guest for the rest of the season on Flagrant Howls.
2: Nice. Very
0: nice. So we're pumped to have him. Yeah, we got uh, Judd, the OG Wolves guy with us here. Dex, our executive producer. And we'll get to some of your feedback questions from the week. Presented by Modest Brewing. So, hey, the Wolves are back in town. The Wolves, well, they were back in town on Wednesday, technically. But they got home games on uh, tonight, this Friday, and then Sunday against the Rockets. And Modest Brewing is just a few steps down the street from Target Center, right in the North Loop, a glorious tap room. And you can find some of the best craft beer in the Twin Cities. My personal favorite is the Super Deluxe Premium Lager. But this is a great spot to grab beer before Wolves games. So Friday night, if you're if you're consuming this podcast and you're looking for a place to uh, support Flagrant Howls and also... Consuming. I see what it, you it, did there.
2: Yes. Consuming the podcast. I like that. Consume
0: beer. Consume podcast. You know, consume our Wolves takes. Mm-hmm. It's close to Target Center. There's a great variety. You can find out more. And uh, even look at just pictures and see the tap room at ModestBrewing.com. That's ModestBrewing.com. So, all right, boys. Well, the last couple of games, we were talking about this yesterday. You had that win against Oklahoma City on the road, shorthanded. And then you had the home game against Dallas's G League team, basically. And I would say that this, the back-to-back combination of beating Oklahoma City shorthanded in their building and then blowing out that bad Mavericks team by like 30 points pallet cleansing week for the Timberwolves <laughs> here. Just a nice pallet cleanser after some weird basketball with a, a tough game tonight.
2: And the Mavs game was close for a half. It was, but, and then know. they just pull and well, but I'm just saying with, with how things have gone of late, I think, I think the fact that they took the, in the second half distance themselves yeah. is a good sign. So yes, I would say that the, trepidations and the fears of some bad defeats have probably now been at least put on the back burner.
0: Yeah, we can uh, can take a deep breath here. So let's get into some feedback questions here. We pull from the YouTube comment section. You can always hit us up through the Scorn Earth app, the feedback tab. So this first one is from a lot of different people. I'm just going to sum up a lot of different feedback comments in one question, which is, it's great that Carl Anthony Towns and Anthony Edwards are now, I think, the fifth duo in Timberwolves history. Mm-hmm. To make the all- star game, did Rudy Gobert get snubbed is the is the biggest question on wolves fans' minds? He's making a lot of the snub lists right. in the last twenty four hours right so So how do you feel about I mean, Rudy Gobert is kind of the antithesis of everything that the all- star right. game represents. you know, I don't know but when they're thinking about, God, we could put Carl in and he could just be jacking threes and running yeah, around or yeah. Exactly. Or we could bring a guy that plays defense in. I don't right. know. What should we do? A game in which nobody
2: <laughs> wants to play defense and, in fact, it's frowned upon by the players themselves because they have no interest in it. Wouldn't that yes. make it
0: fun, though? Just All right, Rudy, you're going to be playing hardcore defense while no. these guys try to throw lobs to each other?
2: <laughs> okay. First of all, he did get snubbed. Second of all, if I'm an NBA player, and I, I think it was uh, about four years ago or so that, that Gobert actually broke down because – his mom was going to be upset that he didn't make the all-star team in Utah. So perhaps he does still care. And yes, he probably did get, get snubbed. But in going through the rosters, nobody got more than two players each. And Phil, I, I think you're right. Carl Anthony Towns is far more of a fit for the format. The other thing that I would would keep in mind is this. Rudy Gobert is in his 11th season. He's 31. He's now going to get seven days to go hang out on a beach to, to, and I'm not implying the all-star game is hard work. Okay. But it is a commitment. You're traveling. You're on your yeah. feet. Yeah. Yeah. You're a huge yeah. man who has to full, you know? So anyway,
0: sitting you, coach in the middle, middle Yeah, seats you're, and stuff. yeah
2: oh, you're back by the bathroom. Some guy uses the bathroom. It's disgusting. You're down on, you're down about that. But anyway, um, I actually think that this is a good thing. If you were to tell me one of these three wolves, aunt Carl or Rudy, is going to get snubbed okay i am going to say go bear again 31 which is not ancient not young in sports but more importantly 11 seasons wear and tear he's played a ton this year all of those things he can go enjoy the sun he can go enjoy the beach he can go enjoy whatever he wants and at the end of the day it's my personal opinion that just like with football you know pro bowl I don't care about all pro. I do care about if Gobert is at the is elected All NBA at the end of the season. Yeah. That's far more of a of a, a recognition than this. So I actually, if I'm a Wolves fan, I love this. I think it's great. And if Gobert comes back more pissed off, even better.
1: Yeah, it, look, the NBA is loaded with All-Stars, and he he when he played internationally uh, going into his first season with the Wolves, he obviously looked like a little gassed, and look, the, the Wolves are having a great year. They're the number one team in the West for the majority of the season. They get to send a couple players. I understand fans getting nitpicky because Gobert's had a hell of a season, but I mean, they're they're sending two guys that are deserving to go, and it's also, yeah, the All-Star game is just kind of an offensive showcase of who can score 200 points, basically, so is Gobert really, does he really fit? into that game even, so I'm good. Yeah, with
0: I would, on on the cat front, because I have seen some cat slander, and there's been some, I think, like, Sabonis got snubbed, right? I don't know the full list in front of me.
2: The Kings all got snubbed.
0: The Kings Fox all, did, yeah, because Fox got snubbed, too. No one
2: from the Kings is going this season.
0: So And I get it, but there's also only 12 spots yeah. in both conferences. There's always going to be dudes that are dropping 30 points. Like, there's more 30-point scorers now in the NBA than than we've seen ever. But if you look at Cat, I mean, he has been... He's been everything for the most part that we have wanted going into like last season when they made the trade. You know, how what, you know, what's Cat's role in all these things? He is second in the NBA in defensive win shares. Mm-hmm. Defensive win shares. I did not misspeak behind only Rudy Gobert, which is incredible. He's seventh among all players of any height in three-point make percentage, 44% from three-point range this year, which is the highest of his career. And he's shooting 52% from the field, 44% from three, as I mentioned, and 87% from the free-throw line. Really, like, it's him, Kevin Durant, and maybe a couple other players that are shooting at those levels, like, you know, 50-plus percent here, 42 43% or more from three, and then 85 or more percent from the free throw line. So he's this is one of the best seasons, maybe the best season in terms of just like overall player and and fitting into a winning culture that he's ever been involved in. And for all the times that he got snubbed putting up even bigger numbers in some cases early in his career cuz the Wolves weren't good enough, I like him getting the nod here because he's on a winning team, he's helping to drive the winning. Now on the Gobert front, he leads the NBA in defensive win shares. He's second in rebounds and he's fifth in blocks. He's also second in dunks, by the way, which does fit into the NBA All Star game culture. So, what they're saying here is all right, the guy that is the absolute best defensive player in the NBA and a guy that can like throw down an alley oop dunk and get the crowd to its feet. There's no place in that in this, there's no place for that in this All Star game we're we're only really looking at offensive performance and offensive statistics which is cackets and I think based on both you know his his performance on both sides has been great uh but this is an emphatic message from the nBA the coaches the like the fans everyone who has a stake in starters and reserves saying that yeah the guy that is the best at these defensive things go take an eight day vacation
2: <laughs> you're well, not yeah. welcome here and the the reserves is actually all coaches because the starters uh, are uh, media and fans but and also here's the other thing if i'm going so so ant is is going like he was i, I don't think that, that there was a debate there so if i'm the wolves and i'm saying okay cat goes gobert doesn't go the other thing is i think for cat it's great because of cat's personality like if cat didn't go he'd be like well of course i didn't go and blah, and he deserves to go but, like, Gobert might actually get p- pissed off. I don't know if Cat come. It's a little, come-
0: vi- little validation, a little yep. pump and pump yep. him and up. And Cat yeah.
2: likes to be, you know, Cat is a martyr. So he's going to come back now and be like, yeah, I was an all-star. That's awesome. Gobert <laughs> might actually get pissed off. So I just, I don't see a downside. Get- and if you, did you really think you're going to get three? Did you really think that you were going to be the one team to get three guys? I don't know about that. Not yeah, yet, at least. Maybe if they win a championship. How many Oregon times
0: student. have have you guys seen? How many times has a team gotten three All Stars? Let's see. How many team was? I didn't look that three, up this morning. All All-Stars? I was just go- the Warriors, see. probably, right? Like- the oh, the eighteen Warriors here. Most players from the same team in an All Star game. The so it's let's see here. Uh, nine times a team has been rewarded with four players, and then there's been a few with three. So oh, there's two starters, Two oh, Oh, so there's the, uh, the Hawks in 2015 had four reserves. They had Al Horford, Kyle Korver, Paul Millsap, and Jeff Teague. Jeff Teague. Jeff Teague. <laughs> the 2011 Celtics had four reserves. Rajon Rondo, Ray Allen, Paul Pierce, and Kevin Garnett. Uh, the 06 Pistons had Chauncey Billups, Richard Hamilton, Ben Wallace, and Rasheed Wallace. Nice. 98 Lakers had two starters, Shaq and Kobe. And then two reserves, Eddie Jones and Nick Van Exel. Wow. Oh,
2: Nick Van Exel, Cincinnati. I love that guy, Nick the Quick.
0: Wasn't Nick also, he would stand like five feet behind the, the free throw line yeah. when he shot his free throws? Yeah, I think you're right. Because it was like a better distance for Van him. Van
2: Exel, was, I loved him. Weird.
0: And then you got to go back to 1983, Julius Irving, Moses Malone, and Maurice Cheeks as starters for the Sixers, and then Andrew Toney off the bench. Oh, Andrew Tony. So there's been there's been a bunch with four, I guess, is the the moral of the story. And then yeah, the eighteen the eighteen Warriors had Steph Curry, Kevin Durant as starters, and then Draymond Green and Clay Thompson as reserves. Yeah. yeah. And the same thing the year before that, it was the same well, exact deal for them.
2: If the Wolves mm-hmm. get to or, or win a championship and it this repeats itself, my guess is three go next year. Yeah, Nas Reed. Dude.
0: Nas, Nas. Reed. Maybe Nikhil Alexander Walker sneaks in there. Reed. Hey, you know what? To his
2: credit, he's played great of late. It's great.
0: Eating better is easy with Factors, delicious, ready-to-eat
1: meals, always fresh, chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes. From pancakes to smoothies to meals and more, discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. And if you're always on the go and eating a quick and easy way to find something to eat, you need to try Factor Meals. They have an easy-to-use website. Factor is also flexible. Change up your order every week with plans from 6 to 18 meals per week, or pause or reschedule your delivery at any time. You can sign up and save, and we've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Head to factormeals.com slash 50 And use code Howells 50 to get 50% off. That's code Howells 50 at factormeals.com to get 50% off. Go check out
0: Factor Meals. Actually, uh, this next question is, it's it's kind of like, how do they keep the band together here? So this is a good question from, I think it's pronounced Peter McFleeter. Peter McFleeter? Peter McFleeter? Peter McFleeter. We'll go with that. Okay. He says, I love the in-depth salary discussions on Purple Daily with the Vikings. It helps us fans actually assess the true state of the organization. I'm wondering if you guys could do something similar for the Timberwolves on Flagrant Howls. Rightfully so, most discussions around the Timberwolves have been how awesome they are this year. But in the likely event that they don't win a championship this year, could you talk through which salaries are ending and, and some moves that they could make after the season? So, man, there's a like this is like a whole episode that we will devote maybe multiple episodes but the biggest difference between because there are i think there are a lot of people that are jumping on the wolves bandwagon maybe you've discovered flagrant howls because the wolves are good like really good for the first time in a while so the biggest difference between the nba cap and the nfl cap the nfl cap is like a ceiling essentially so you you can't go past the, the 230 30 minutes the NBA cap has, like, it's a soft cap with multiple levels above it. Yes. So from a team standpoint, you can't go over the NFL cap. In the NBA, you, you can absolutely, most teams are over the cap, and then we'll get into some of those levels. But on the flip side, in the NFL, player contracts are very manipulatable. You can cut guys without guaranteed money and save money that way. Money's you can, yep. you can shuffle money around on the books. You can convert base salaries to signing bonuses and pro rate And like the accounting for, for NFL contracts does not always align with the cash that's being paid. So you can just like manipulate your way around contracts In the NBA. The contracts are very much more ironclad. There are some like shake Milton and Troy Brown jr. Have non-guaranteed contracts for next year. They're like team options basically. Uh, but here, but to answer the question specifically, Here's where the wolves are at going into next summer. The NBA salary cap is projected as of yesterday to be 141 million. Okay.
2: A million less than was originally projected to be the projection.
0: Yep. It was supposed to be maybe 142. It's 141. Oh my God. What do we do? Yeah, okay. People are melting down. So the next line above that is $31 million above that. And by the way, you can go over the, the salary cap to sign your own players. So like let's say let's say the cap is $141 million. This, this happened last year, by the way, where the Wolves are over the cap. But Jaden McDaniels is up for a contract. Well, you can re-sign Jaden McDaniels to a 20 plus million dollar deal and it, it continues to push your cap number higher. Um, you're still over the cap, but you wouldn't be able to go sign an external free agent for $20 million because you are over the cap. Right. So the NBA salary cap is $141 million next year. The luxury tax line is $172 million. The first apron of the luxury tax is $179 million. Mm -hmm. And I'll explain what that means. The Wolves right now have $185 million tied up in 11 players for next season. So the Wolves right now, as of today, are $44 million over the cap. They are $13 million over the luxury tax. And they are $6 million above the first apron line, not counting Mike Conley, who's a free agent, Kyle Anderson, who's a free agent, and Jordan McLaughlin, your backup point guard, who's a free agent. That 185 does count Shake Milton's $5 million non-guaranteed and Troy Brown Jr.'s $4 million non-guaranteed. The second apron is 190 which is $5 million. So the Wolves are $5 million from that second luxury tax apron. Mm -hmm. And what that means is there's like five or six restrictions. Well, there's more than that because there's like the first apron restrictions. But basically, it makes it harder for you to to add players to your team once you've reached the second apron. So like, for instance, teams can no longer use the taxpayer mid-level exception, which is when you're over the cap. In a way to allow teams to still sign free agents, the NBA says, okay, Judd, your team is over the cap but we'll give you a mid-level exception of, like the taxpayer mid-level is a $5 million chunk to go sign a veteran player if you want to. Mm -hmm. You can't sign a $20 million free agent because you're over the cap, but you can go sign like Shake Milton for $5 million, and that's fine. Uh, It also prevents you from trading a first-round pick seven years out. It prevents you from aggregating salaries. Like let's say you wanted to go get a $30 million player. You couldn't take a $15 million player and another $15 million player to match the salaries you'd have to find one chunk so i know this is like super in the weeds but the wolves are pressed up against the second apron without even accounting for like two of their key rotation players and they have to figure this out
2: and that results in penalties right so if if you go above and more money spent there's a penalty if you go above so now the question is do laurie Arod and their investors have the appetite to pay those penalties and a lot of teams don't uh Doogie did tell us on a scoop session, Reckless Speculation Thursday, that talks have begun with Conley. So they are trying to negotiate something to get, which is very smart, uh, to get ahead of the game with Conley. And so that would be thrown in in the mix. I think the thing, Phil, that people are going to want to know too is eventually um, what Towns' situation is going to be because clearly with the contracts you're talking about, you know, the chunks are going to go to Ant, Gobert, and Towns.
0: Yeah. Yep, it's uh, it's really interesting. So that's part of the reason why, too, like, here's the next question, by the way, Feedback Friday. Ron Detman says, the Wolves should try to get Dennis Schroeder from Toronto instead of Tyus Jones. He's not as good as Mike Conley, but uh, he doesn't have to be, whereas Tyus is actually, he thinks, better than Conley. I would disagree with that, but... Uh, I haven't looked at the contracts, but I think this would be a better solution. So here's the thing. like, So Schroeder is one of a million players that could maybe get moved at the trade deadline. And uh, and he's a good player. Like, he's a good, I think he'd be a good backup point guard on a team that aspires to go deep in the playoffs. Sure. But Schroeder has another year left on his contract next year. He's like $13.5 million this year, and then it's like another thirteen and a half next year. So I think what the Wolves are trying to do is not put money on next year's books because they're $6 million under the second luxury tax apron. If they trade for Dennis Schroeder, it puts them way above the second apron line, not accounting for Mike Conley and any other players that you might look to add. So,
2: yeah. And so there's two things here. One is this is why, what uh, Tim Conley does at the deadline is going to be so intriguing because there is an immediate urgency to win. Like if they've decided internally, we can't keep all of these guys. Yeah that that makes that makes the window to win now a little bit more imperative. The other thing is when people ro- roll their eyes about TV contracts and your arena, this is a big part of why. Like Golden State, they they went from that, you know, barn in Oakland, right? Downtown San Francisco, ticket prices go way up, gorgeous new facility, but you also generate way more Like, so this is why when fans are like, why would you build them? You know, screw them, let them do their own thing. Um, Championships can depend on the ability to build teams out through your revenue sources. And the arena one is a big one.
0: And if you, if you start to look at, okay, which players under contract next year, could you maybe move off of to, to get some relief in that regard and, or, or move them out and maybe take back a little bit less in return. It's a tough list, man. I mean, A year ago, the Carl Anthony Towns thing was an easy trade, right? It was, I mean, even in the offseason, it was like, well, those guys, Cat and Rudy on the floor together were net rating per 100 possessions was negative like five points or something. It doesn't work. So, of course, you're going to trade Carl. Well, when those guys are on the court together this year, they're plus 11 points per 100 possessions. It works really well having those guys on the court together. So I don't like. No longer is it. Oh, you're you're trading cat, right? They've done a great job just making this work, and cat has adapted. And so, so cat is forty nine million. Gobert is forty three million. Anthony Edwards is thirty five million. Jade McDaniels is twenty two point five starting next year, and he's going to have to step up his game in some areas. Like I, I'm going to need a little bit more scoring and rebounding to be a twenty two and a half million dollar player. But I'm not looking to trade him because he's part of the soul of your number one defense. Nas Reed, 13.9, is a huge discount right now, I feel like. I mean, that would be a steal for any other team to plug him in as a 35-minute starter. And Nikhil Alexander-Walker makes 4.3, so beyond that, I mean, you're, you could probably move, and you would look to move maybe Wendell Morris, 2.5 million to get some breathing room. Sure. Um, Leonard Miller at 1.8 million as a rotation player could be a really nice value piece. But yeah, it's, they're in an interesting spot for sure. And it's a good place because they're really good. Like this is working. It's not like they have, Uh it's not like the Vikings where like they've got all these big cap hits and these dead money charges and they're a seven win team trying to figure it out. So Justin S says the fact that Kevin Garnett isn't involved in the organization is an absolute crime. I think we agree with that. I'm going to turn this into a question. How would you guys like to see KG involved with this organization once the ownership? officially change his hands
2: so the the big piece that that our guy Wendy from espn did Windy. dropped in a nugget dropped in just a nugget that that one of the things that the wolves new ownership group would like to do upon purchasing uh the majority control of the team is get Gar- is get garnett like in-house like give him a job or something okay. which i think sounds
0: Sec- answering phones <laughs> Okay, you know, center. This hey, is Kelly, Hey, listen, MF.
2: Want? Hey, listen, MF. I don't care what you're talking about. Shut <laughs> up. But anyway, um, I mean, at the very least, he, he needs to have his jersey retired ASAP. But I think it'd be great if if he was associated with with the Wolves, um, a little bit like Mike Modano is now associated with the Wild, which is he's got a title. Um, he's not like. He gets to to live his life. He's not making decisions. He's just in his office playing with like hockey
0: figurines.
2: Yeah. Yeah. He's playing with his bobbleheads.
1: But he might actually be playing bubble hockey a lot of the time. Mikey,
2: no, you know what I think Mikey is? I think Mikey's big on his kids now. He's playing with, he's he's got the kids. They got a bunch of kids. But anyway, yeah, I I think it'd be great. (laughs) I think it would be great to have KG like courtside a lot here a lot. It'd be awesome.
0: It would be great. It'd be be super
2: fun. Yeah, yeah yet, I mean th-
1: that Jersey retirement too. I, that that has to happen. Just getting him back in the organization, man. It's it's awesome. There's an enti- he built that franchise. He, you want to him and Flip help build this entire dang thing. And the fact he's been out, and I love the whole clip he had a couple weeks ago where he said, "Oh, weird, to get new ownership group. Look what happens." Ha 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 ha. Yeah, like an evil, menacing laugh. <laughs> um, they gotta he get him back.
0: Hates yet. Glenn. It's it is a weird. Yeah, but Glenn's. I'm guessing Glenn's still going to go to games. This and is my so- question. KG is going to go, and when KG has showed up, he usually sits like under the hoop on the baseline, Yeah, and so is he going to be sitting there, and Glenn's going to be, and they're going to have to wait for one to walk into the VIP tunnel before the other? Like, they're and, still going to have to coexist probably in the same arena on game nights.
2: And Mark Laurie now sits on the same side as Glenn, just down towards the scorer's table, yeah. so yeah, there's a lot of questions here, but I, and we we've discussed this, but my feeling is that Glenn's not, it's not like Glenn's going to disappear from Target Center. So, no. I mean, KG, it's an obsession, his hate for Glenn. I know. Like, it's not a little thing. He's, He's obsessed super, with well, it. Well, he
0: does this. This is a pattern in his, okay, maybe KG could, maybe we could hook him up with, like, the team therapist or something. Because uh, doesn't he have this same thing with Ray Allen, too? Yeah. Where, like, him and Paul Pierce have Ray essentially, they don't even look at him because yeah. he went to the heat. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, KG, KG holds on to a lot of, a lot of old beefs, it feels like. KG, let's take a deep breath, man. Come back to Target Center.
2: I think KG and Randy Moss might have a lot of, of greatness and also long m- memories. Same type of thing.
0: It's part of what makes you that great, probably, by oh, just yeah. being able to well, hate people. Thing, right? Yeah.
2: It's like Jordan. remember hey, Michael, what do you mean by that? And I
1: took that personally.
2: Yeah, I'm going to kick yeah. your ass tomorrow. <laughs> well, the... George Carl thing was great. He he like what didn't talk to Michael to bother him during dinner when he walked by Jordan. And so like Jordan saw George Carl not say hi. So yeah. he got pissed off about that. It's hilarious.
0: So, all right, that's all the feedback that, uh, that we have for you here, but yeah, it's, it'll be a fun weekend with two home games. And then, um, if you haven't listened to that Jim Pete episode from, from Thursday with Kyle too, it was awesome. He told some great stories and, uh, and had some strong opinions on some things, including when we asked about the officiating. He had an interesting answer about, "Hey, if you're, you know, Anthony Edwards and Carl Anthony Towns, you're not getting the, the right end of the whistle. How would you go about fixing that?" And he had some, some good advice for that too. So Just clap, clap really loud. at The official clapping, pointing, and swearing seems yep. to not be working to this point. You try something else. So yeah, thank you guys for hanging out with us here, Flagrant Howls, everyone's favorite Timberwolves lifestyle podcast.